Hello and welcome to the Locked on Flyers podcast for Monday, November 11th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that doesn't require us to go to bonus hockey, which I personally find that to be very, 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 very good news. Yes. <laughs> well, happy Monday, everybody, and happy Veterans Day. Um, subscribe to Locked on Flyers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, so you get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network for your team each and every day. So for today, we are going to recap this weekend's games against Toronto and Boston, as well as talk about our weekly nemesis, like we always do. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Flyers. Tweet us your questions for our weekly mailbag or tell us what you think about the Flyers and how they're doing so far this season. If you don't have Twitter, no problem. You can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. So let's get into Saturday night's Hockey Night in Canada, Flyers versus the Leafs. The Flyers won 3-2 in a shootout. Elliot was Hooray. in there. Yeah, and I think it was a little redemption for Elliot. <laughs> yeah. He played phenomenal the last uh, time they met, and to just lose it after 11 or 10 saves in the shootout, I, this was definitely a redemption for him. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was Anderson versus Elliot in net, and we had a new guy in the lineup. It was Andrioff's first game. What did you think of the game overall? Again, it's one of those wins where you feel really good about it after it happens because A, they won the shootout and B, the two shootout goals we got from our top guys, Giroux and Couturier, were phenomenal. But then when you kind of sit and think about the game overall, there's definitely some question marks in terms of being able to stop Toronto's offensive pushes, especially in the third period. Um, So it was like a little bit of a mixed bag, I would say, overall. But I'm glad they pulled it out in the end. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think I I thought in the beginning they had the Flyers had a very strong start in the sense that, you know, getting on the board first. I thought that Phil Myers second straight game with a goal. Uh, I thought he still stood out and looked phenomenal. It was a really nice play. He was like, you know, joined in on the rush at a great time and, you know, was rewarded for that with a goal. And then the second power play gets done again. Our fave Oscar Lindblom, Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, Matt Niskanen, and I believe Shane Gossespierre was on, out on this power play and they scored um, for the Flyers to put them up by two. And I thought that was, I think with, when you play the Leafs, that's kind of how you need to play. You need to play from ahead. We know uh, the skill that Toronto has at forward, and John Tavares was now in the lineup, uh, which he, I don't believe he was the last time they played together. So right. it just helped. I mean, that's only strengthened the Leafs' forward lines. But so with that, I, I try to keep that in mind. I think that the Flyers did the best that they could. I mean, well, their defense anyway, going against all those skilled players. William Nylander was having himself a game. I just felt like whenever there was something about to happen, he was kind of in the middle of it. And I thought that you want to contain, you know, Matthews, Marner, um, and Tavares. But like sometimes you forget about Nylander and you can't because he's just all over the place. Yeah. And of course, you know, he gets that tying goal yes yeah that's i mean he factored and i think he factored in on uh this the first their first goal with uh travis i think dermot scored yeah yeah, yeah. it was his so, first goal of the season for yeah. the Leafs. well of, of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um 
How about that poke check from Elliot? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, and then, I, you know, looking back, you kind of feel bad because of Marner's eventual injury in the game. And, you know, he's not even traveling with the team right now. And I, I hope he it's not as serious as it seemed. But when Marner went flying after that Mojek, it, it was pretty funny. But that's something that would normally scare me a lot from Elliot. But it turned out to work. So all is well. Yes, exa- that's exactly how I feel. I mean, I definitely don't want, you know, Marner injured because uh, I really like Marner like as a player and I hope that he you know rebounds from this and it's nothing too serious but that was just so like I was not expecting that I was not expecting this poke check for him to be that far out and for Marner to fly that far I was just was a shock for sure the whole situation so we have here in our notes um we talked about um Andrew's first game but how did you think he did and how did you think that fourth line did I was pleasantly surprised by the whole thing. I thought Andreev had a really strong game overall. I saw him battling out in front of the net several times and just creating problems for the Leafs defensemen. I thought there was a pickup, I think, of Tyler Pitlick's game overall. that He, yeah. he started out strong, I thought, in his first game, but then it kind of dipped and hadn't really noticed him a ton, but the last couple games, I think his game has picked up a little bit. And I just really liked Andreev, Raffle and Pitlick together. And I know we've had some concerns about that fourth line and the juggling of the prospects between the Phantoms and the Flyers to try and find something that works. But I definitely want to see this fourth line again. How about you? Yeah, I was very surprised to see how well they did. Just like on ice and then, you know, looking at the numbers, they did really well. I mean, they had a a 76.992 Corsi 4 percentage and they were 31.98 Corsi 4 percentage relative to their teammates. So that line was very, very dominant and it was good to see it. Like you said, I definitely saw an uptick in Tyler Pitlick's play. And I wonder if that's just because he's finally in game shape because you have to remember he missed the beginning of uh, training camp because because he was injured and then he's been kind of fluctuating between like being scratched getting in a game so I wonder if now the consistency of him playing he's kind of in game shape and this is what like the Tyler Pitt like that Chuck went out and got like this was the fourth line player that they wanted or they were expecting for this season um, and yeah. then the same thing with Andy um, Andreoff. Uh, he they signed him, and he was like a real contender to make that fourth line. I believe that he was kind of, he was injured in camp, and that was one of the reasons why he didn't get like you know a long look in the NHL or for the for training camp. Yeah, I think so. But he had been doing so well with the Phantoms, he and has, yeah. so he absolutely deserved that call up for absolutely. sure. It, or at least, you know, to be one of the people in that rotation mm-hmm. to try and figure out the fourth line. Yeah. And I like you said, he he had a great chemistry with Morgan Frost down there. And I thought I was not surprised that he was called up. I was not um, surprised by how well I, I I think that he played with Raffle and Pitlick. But definitely so not surprised that he got called up. And I agree with you. I'd like to see more of this fourth line because as much as I like the, f- the fact that the kids are getting chances, just the revolving door in the fourth line is just kind of, it was getting to be a lot. 
So I, I wouldn't mind if this line could find some consistency and continue their dominance like they did in that game against the Leafs. The one thing that I, I also noticed was that the ice time for the top nine was pretty consistent um, or pretty even throughout. There was no, I mean, Coots' line got like or 10 seconds more than the Giroux line and the Giroux line got 30 seconds more than the Hayes line. So still with all within a minute of each other. And I think that's good, especially as they prepare for Boston uh, for Sunday. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. I think that with all these back-to-backs over the course of the season, and knowing that this particular back-to-back are two really strong teams in a strong division to be, to manage the ice time while also being successful is a really good sign for maybe. And I just think that it also just plays with the fact that he's like a veteran coach who is not living and dying on every single game, overplaying Giroux or overplaying uh, Kutz's line coaches could do that and then you know they're tired for tomorrow's game which is a very important game yeah absolutely and you know I think that given how this game went from a momentum perspective I'm really glad that they did that approach we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about overtime that was uh, a little a little crazy yeah. A little stressful. <laughs> um, we didn't talk about this, but Ivan Proveroff didn't have a great game. No, I, you know, I it doesn't seem like a typically bad Provy game, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It seems like a one-off Provy bad game. Yeah. Does it make you nervous that he's he had a bad game? I don't think so. Yeah. I think that, especially because the rest of the D was actually pretty strong. Yeah. You know, again, except for those, I think a big chunk of the third period where it just felt like the Leafs were inevitably going to score. Yeah. But again, I think there was some back checking problems from the forwards in that part of the game as well. So you can't put it all on the D, but I think that while Provi had a bad game, I thought Niskanen again played well and ghost continues to improve. Like you were saying earlier and I thought he looked really well overall and I didn't notice Braun (laughs) <laughs> Which is a good sign, right? Yeah. I saw on Twitter during the game, or I think it was like after, in the middle, in between OT and the shootout, Braun has played about like two minutes less. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing for him just for his age and the fact that it's an 82-game season and we expect to be playing in the postseason. So I'm not mad that Braun's time is getting cut back and I like that it's it's getting cut back but Shane Goss's Paris is not getting reduced with it yeah that is definitely I think the right thing to do yeah definitely so I mean so far when we see really good moves from the coaches <laughs> liking what they're doing and how they're you know I don't know how to feel about this <laughs> Rachel I'm scared I'm scared <laughs> but um you brought it up earlier Claude Giroux's is exactly the shootout goal I would do if I had was ever put in that position bam and then blasted it and it went in and I love that yeah I love that it was in the top corner too (laughs) because like normally a shot like that you would think would just go straight at the goalie's chest for some reason but he was able to place that shot so meticulously and I don't It was so great. After Anderson played really well over the course of the game and made some amazing saves, just to see that go by him 
felt really good. And then Couturier just like undressed. Yeah. <laughs> Coots, even last season, I want to say, or maybe the season before, Coots was like a, a overtime hero. And now he's like the, the shootout hero. And he took, again, slightly more face-offs in this game. He, he was uh, two for two, but four face-offs is more than one. So. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. We will look forward uh, to how the Flyers play against Boston. Um, and we'll recap that when we come back. Welcome back to Locked on Flyers. We are going to recap Sunday night's game against the Bruins. So the Flyers won uh, 3-2 to two in, of course, a shootout. Um, of course. <laughs> just of course. I mean, it, it, it couldn't be the Flyers if it wasn't a shootout. In this game, we got another Phil Myers goal. And it was just as beautiful as the first two. It really was. Phil Myers is just proving that he absolutely belongs at the NHL level. Because not only has he gotten three goals in three games now, uh, he was making really great defensive plays, back-checking, protecting the puck to get it out of the zone when they needed to, but then also, you know, hopping in on the play offensively and really helping the rushes. Yeah, and you know what? I think the more time they spend together, Sandheim and Myers look so good together. And I think you can tell that they are not only gaining the trust of the fans, but of the coaches. Because they were out with the Coots line against the Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak line uh, for Boston. And I just thought that was just a, such a vote of confidence um, from the coaching staff because I, I just couldn't remember a time when very young defensive pair got chances against a top, like one of the best lines in hockey on purpose. Yeah, I was really worried about this game for <laughs> yeah. a number of reasons, but it was definitely going to be a true test for our defense especially given, you know, three games in four days, second half of a back-to-back, playing against one of the top teams in the league with this powerhouse line. Yeah. And, you know, they did a really good job considering. They did. And you know what? You have to think about it. Like, Boston lost two games going into this game, and they just lost to Detroit. And so they were probably hungry to right the ship. I mean, this was a gimme game kind of for them because the Flyers played the night before. They would be tired. It would be perfect chance to take advantage and get a win. And the Flyers did not make it easy, uh, especially in the first. I thought they were just coming on so strong. It was such a good first period. I mean, to be up by two on Boston, that's, in my opinion, exactly how you need to play. Exactly. And if you look at the first period like you were saying the flyers outshot the bruins 14 to 5 and then you know the second period was a little sloppier um and a lot more even but still they held the bruins to only five more shots in that period so it wasn't until the third period where exhaustion took over that the bruins really got any quality chances in and so i think that is a testament to the defense and the defensive scheme that the Flyers put into play here. It was kind of worrying for me anyway, just watching 
because you could see the Flyers start to get tired and you could see where Boston was going to take over. And it was just like, you were, you're so close to the end, boys. Just keep going. Just keep going. Don't let them come back. And Boston did score two goals to tie it up. But I think at the same time, like, I, I know a lot of people were saying like, oh, we can't hold a lead, but it's no lead in hockey safe. So like, I wouldn't expect the Flyers to hold the lead, especially when it's only two goals, unless they had like, six goals scored the Bruins like we said are one of the top teams in the league so putting in two goals for them isn't going to be hard um and I thought that when they finally got their chances they definitely made them count you know they had 17 shots Mm -hmm. in the third period there which you know if you weren't even counting you would have guessed about that number (laughs) I'm sure You know, the Bruins, because, again, they had the fresher legs, could keep the puck Mm -hmm. in the zone. And they did. And the Flyers struggled to get the puck out of the zone. But what they didn't struggle at as much is getting sticks in the way, getting bodies in the way, making it so that it was a lot more difficult for the Bruins to get those two goals that they did. It is disappointing and it's stressful to lose a lead like that. But I can't say that they weren't trying. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I definitely don't think that was ever a cause for concern. Regardless, they were so dominant the first two periods. I just loved what I was seeing from the Flyers. And I could tell that, you know, yeah, they were tired in the third, but they still defended as best they could. And that was evident by pushing the game to overtime and to bonus hockey and to the shootout. But we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Carter Hart, who was just phenomenal. Like throughout the whole, like throughout the whole game, but that third period and overtime and and the shootout. Oh yeah. I'm like speechless in some of the saves. Yeah. And they, you know, we're talking a little bit about this in the post game, but I am so thrilled with the decision to have Elliot play against the Leafs and Carter Hart play against the Bruins, because that was exactly the right move. I think they just knew that the Flyers were going to be completely exhausted and they needed somebody who could weather the storm for the team a little bit in the latter half of this game. But Carter Hart just, after facing little to no action for two periods of hockey, played lights out in that third period and overtime, like you were saying. And you just knew that even if it was going to a shootout, that we had a shot. Let's talk about the officiating for this game. It was some surprises. The penalty shot, I thought was a little bit, uh, I mean, it may be a, a textbook penalty shot, but I thought they were pretty far from the goalie to say that it was a shot, I guess. Yeah, I thought it was more the lack of control. I didn't think he had complete control of the puck. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that made it sort of borderline. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where maybe 25% of the time you make that call and 75% don't. And we just got the short end of the stick on that. I was just kind of infuriated because there was a lot of Boston people making a stink about the no goal call that was clearly a no goal. And it was just, there was no question to that. And then the Flyers get this, sort of questionable penalty shot call and then the late penalty yeah as well that was kind of borderline and I don't know if you make that call I'm very happy that they killed the penalty (laughs) yes 
and killed all um all penalties the whole game. So the pa- the penalty kill was very good during this game. And yeah. Boston, I believe their penal- their power play is ranked number one in the league. And I think this was said during the game. The Flyers now have a top power play and or a top ten power play and a top ten penalty kill, which is like the first time in. I don't, I want to say I don't even remember. Forever. Exactly. Yes. Again, like we talked about for the Toronto game, I felt like the overtime play was a little weak and that they just weren't shooting yeah. when they had the opportunity that they keep trying to go for this fancy pass thing. And then the pass like mm-hmm. hops off the stick or they run out of room. And I, I just felt like I was screaming at the TV <laughs> to take the shot. I'm like, I don't want to be one of those shoot people, but shoot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was that, there was a specific play. I think that TK was waiting for, or like Coots and TK kept shooting back and forth to each other. And it was like, honestly, if one of you guys just shoots the puck, I'm pretty sure it will go in. But speaking of shootout, the only Flyer to score was Joel Farabee, and it was a beautiful shootout goal. It was. I was really happy for him to kind of coming back to Boston, where he played college, and, you know, I I love kind of those storylines. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I thought it was funny how Drew kind of faked the wind-up slapper like he did the night before, but then... I don't know. It would have been better if it went in, but still, it was funny. Going back to Farabee, I appreciated the confidence in him, just like we were talking about the confidence in Myers and some of the other younger players. I just was thrilled that they sent Farabee out and sent him out first. Yes, I was just about to say that. I love that vote of confidence for him. Yep, and you know, once again, in the game overall, that Couturier, Konechny, Limblom line was just at it the whole game. TK had, I believe, two. He factored in on both goals. So he scored one and then had the primary assist on the other. They're getting it done that it's like a true top line that is just producing every night. Hey, guys, do you want your sex life to be as good as Konechny's chirps? Do you want to go from Oscar Limblom under Hacksaw to Oscar Limblom under AV? Well, you can increase your performance and get an extra confidence in bed with Blue Chew. Blue Chew brings you the first chewables from the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up twice as fast as a pill, so you're ready whenever an opportunity arises. Go to bluechew.com. That's blue like the color. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E Chew.com and promo code locked on try it for free welcome back once again to lock on flyers your daily flyers podcast on the locked on sports network it is time for our flyers nemesis of the week so if you don't know our nemesis of the week we as philly sports fans have a lot of reasons to be annoyed so we're going to name names here we're going to talk about who or what is standing in the way of flyers greatness right now and I think we can collectively say that extra hockey is standing <laughs> in the way of the Flyers right now. And for the Flyers and for us. 
So. <laughs> really? Because it's about us, it, the fans. It is about us. <laughs> it's just extra stress for what reason? I, we don't need it. We don't need it. It tires the boys out, especially for back-to-backs. It seems like the Flyers and their back-to-backs have been going to overtimes. And that just adds to more wear and tear of this during the season. The Flyers, their last four out of their five games um, have gone to overtime or the shootout. We remember that they went to overtime or a shootout for the Devils win. Um, the Leafs, the first time they lost in a shootout. Montreal this week, they went to, um, I think they went to overtime. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and that was a 3-2 win. And then, of course, the Leafs. Oh, and I'd be remiss to forget the Phantoms, too. Out of the first 12 games of the season, five went to OT. Four of those went to the shootout. So, Rachel, does this concern you? Are you... <laughs> You know, it does a little bit. While I think that they have been better overall in terms of not allowing those late end of the period goals. Yes. You know, they have done it, but I think with significantly less frequency. I think that they really need to learn to get a lead and hold it. <laughs> it's, it's just not something. Now, there's been a couple of times where they tied it up to force overtime, but that's not great to have to do either so I would like to see this team on some sort of consistent basis get a lead and hold it and win in regulation I just think it's an important thing for a hockey team to be able to do and I also agree on the wear and tear issue you know I think if you're halfway through the season let's say and they've played the equivalent of an extra two games Mm -hmm. that's not great for them it could lead to more injury um it doesn't help them in the next game in terms of their preparedness and their level of being tired you know like we were saying and it does concern me from a tactical perspective as well as a physical perspective yeah I completely agree with you on those things. I would say I'm half concerned half not concerned just because if the Flyers were contenders like Stanley Stanley Cup contenders um it would concern me how many of their games are being forced to overtime and beyond but you know because I just think that the I would like to see the Flyers in the playoffs and to make some noise in the playoffs not necessarily win the cup this year um it I just am happy that they're winning (laughs) yeah Um, and I just think if they get to the end of the season and have just that extra wear and tear on them their ability to be successful in a first round matchup against a really strong team like say the Caps or you know the Pens or the Canes or whatever it's yeah it it does worry me but I don't think we're at disaster zone there yet I just think that it's something to keep an eye on for sure and so you know for a nemesis of the week it's good to keep (laughs) a side eye yeah no I completely agree with you and I I I definitely feel like like I said I was like 50 50 because like 50 percent like I am concerned for all the reasons that you listed Definitely. And then another then half of me is just like, you know, well, at least we're winning. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, just keep that. But yeah, completely agree. Definitely something to keep an eye on. But like we said, you're on our list. Bonus hockey. Like we love hockey, but we don't need too much. So just let the Flyers win in regulation um, and we'll be happy. Agreed. <laughs> All right. So that is it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow where we will do our weekly check-in on the 
Phantoms, and then defend the indefensible. So we'll see what this week's is. As a reminder, we want to hear from you. So send us your questions via Twitter, which is Locked on Flyers or uh, Locked on Flyers at gmail.com. My name's Danielle, and you can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the show, please email us at lockedonflowers at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good one.